As for the rest of us, this is the 31st of December. The church has remained open and functioning because of your love for Christ. Each one of you. Prayers, giving, bring and share lunch, fellowship, comforting the people who are sick. You've done so many things, in particular, praying in the background. You've done so many things we might not see, but God, who sees every secret, will reward you. May the Lord strengthen you. And as we embark in the new year from tomorrow, God willing, let us continue. Stir up one another unto love, forbearance, the love of Christ, to continue to press on. When the Christian Institute came here, they made a comment afterwards. They say to us that they speak in so many churches regularly, but they notice something a little bit different here, including the kind of song we sing here. Praise the Lord for that. You gave them offering. They send a thank you letter. Yes, a small church, but we want to remain awake and strengthened in the Lord. Remember that word that was given to us by the Lord in prayer meeting, that we were like a very small stream of water, and God wanted us to remain like that. Not to remain small, but to remain faithful to him like that. And the words say that many people will find life in that small stream. So let's be faithful to God because he's always faithful to us. God will not leave us. Amen. And this I read for all of you to encourage you. Beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation through though we speak in this manner. Hebrews 6.10 for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saint and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. May God bless you all. Some of you may not notice how much work goes into the functioning of the church here. I think it was yesterday, Saturday, I saw about 10 emails of uh, Dennis, Saturday, while some of you were watching uh, Disney. He was here, battling with the camera there to, to have it working, and writing to update the team, and working and working and working and working. I know um, Linda comes in the morning and sets the table, not to mention Chrissy, who comes amongst the first people and goes the last after we've done prayer on Tuesday. And many of you who do a lot for the brethren, for the Lord. Many of you have been so perseverant in coming to prayer meeting. Praise the Lord for that. And the group seems to be growing. Look at the number of chairs we have. It used to be a very small group. At some point we had 17, 18 people coming to prayer meeting. 
Praise the Lord. When people begin to come to prayer meeting not by compulsion, but because that what needs to be done, praise the Lord for that. May the Lord reward you for all that you do. Amen. Loving Father, we bless you this morning once again. Great is your faithfulness. Guide us, King of kings and Lord of lords. Bless us, Lord, with the strengthening presence of your holy, good and eternal spirit. To the glory of the Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Now, um, today is the last day of, the, of this year. Those who follow the Bible reading plan which we started on the 1st of January 2023, are reading today the last two chapters in the book of Revelation. That's chapter 22 to 21 to 22. But yesterday we were reading chapter 19 to 20, which we will focus on today. Today's teaching is mainly a study of Revelation 19 to 20, which gives details of the events surrounding the coming of Jesus Christ on this earth. These scriptures describe the coming of Christ, his victory, the introduction of his millennial kingdom, the last judgment over his, all his enemies, Babylon the Great, the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, all rebellious humans who reject his free salvation, and ultimately death and Hades will be thrown in the lake of fire. Now, another word for the lake of fire is Gehenna, is also hell. We're going to read about three or four scriptures, or three, as the Lord leads. But there will be a lot of quotes, give a lot of reference. Never mind. You won't have to turn to, to them all the time. But if you are lost, or you're not taking notes, feel free. It's here. I can send you a copy, if you want. Guess what? Whenever I say that, nobody asks for a copy. I've never had anybody saying, McGee, I want to follow up. Nobody. But is there. First reading, Revelation chapter 19. If you feel sleepy, stand up, stretch yourself a little bit, and then sit down. Revelation 19. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he had avenged on her the blood of his servant shed by her. Verse 3. Again they said, Hallelujah! 
Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. Verse 6. And I heard as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, as the sound of the mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Verse 8. And to her it was granted to be arrayed with, in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Verse 12. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Verse 13. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the, the, the wine press of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, and gather together for the supper of the great God. Verse 18. That you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit, who sit on them. And the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Verse 19. And I saw the beast... The kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse 
and against his army. Verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Verse 21. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Amen. Verse ni- chapter 19. After these things, verse 1 says, after these things, it is at a certain point in time. I meant a certain appointed time. There is a countdown until we reach that point. There is a series of events that will unfold until we get to that point. Those events must be fulfilled first before the unfold, unfolding of um, um, Revelation 19. After these things. This statement refers the event described in the previous chapters 17 and 18. That is the fall of Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great, also called the mother of Harlot and of the abominations of the earth. In Revelation 17 verse 4, John saw in spirit a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemies, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, this description of the beast matches with the beast that rose out of the sea in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. The beast described in Revelation 13 verse 1 also had seven heads and ten horns and a blasphemous name as well. So, we could reasonably conclude that we are talking about the same character here. This beast, also known, referred to as the Antichrist. Some people say Antichrist. Some people say Antichrist. You never know which one is correct. Whether you're in America or here or somewhere else, Antichrist, Antichrist, but you know what I mean doesn't make any difference. This beast or the Antichrist will be worshipped by the inhabitant of the earth. But by doing so, 
people will actually be worshipping the dragon, the devil, and Satan, who will give the authority to the beast, the Antichrist. The Bible says, the dragon gave him his power, his throne even, and great authority. This is the coming one world government you hear about, which is being put together, which is leading to that series of events, the countdown to the culmination of those events. The seven heads are spiritually identified in Revelation 17 verse 9. In fact, there are seven mountains on which the woman sits. But there are also seven kings. Oh, Babylon the Great is truly a mystery. The seven heads are seven mountains, but there are also seven kings. Mystery, Babylon the Great, is truly mystery. Now, reference to Babylon, it's not to the ancient physical Babylon. It is rather a spiritual reality that perpetuates the Babylonian paganism. In 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 13, Peter sends greetings from someone who was in Babylon. But we know that the Babylonian empire had already fallen, he wasn't there. This was the time of the Roman Empire. Why would Peter send greeting from a sister, a lady who was in Babylon? So the Babylon referred to here in Revelation is not the physical Babylon that was built on Chaldea. No. That's a different reality. Oh, by the way, by the way, you see, it's always good to make that comparison. You see, you have Babylon, you have Jerusalem, you have Chaldea, you have Zion. Then you have Babylon the Great, and then you have hell there, then you have Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, heaven. We are in, on this side. They are on that side. Babylon the Great versus Jerusalem. Now, in an attempt to identify this terrible character, Babylon the Great, people have come up with a different interpretation. People like Gary Carr, who wrote a bestseller on route to global occupation, if you've not read that, let me know. I can find a spare copy for you. He believes that because of the description of the financial transactions described here, he thought, he's probably changed his mind, we need to check out, 
He thought that Babylon the Great was New York because New York had all the headquarters and everything. Then you have people like uh, the late Chuck Missler who thought that Babylon the Great, Babylon was the actual Iraq, the actual site of Babylon. And uh, he, he was very comforted because at that time, Saddam Hussein died. And the whole world was going to try and rebuild Babylon. So he thought that Babylon, Iraq, will become the new center of the world because of the worldwide interest people had. So he believed that Iraq was the Babylon described here. Then you have other people like Dave Hunt and me who think that Babylon is rather a spiritual reality, is rather a system, a Babylonian system that perpetuates the Babylonian priesthood, including the garment and everything, and the mass and everything, all that paganism. I believe that that Babylon is rather a spiritual reality that opposes God. A continuation of the worldwide rebellion at the Tower of Babel. And that will play a key role. And by the way, the Bible described that Babylon as being uh, drunk with the blood of the saints. Well, we gave a teaching in 2018 here where we documented, we showed that. Remember, it was called the testimony from history. We show what Babylon the Great has done to the believers who refused to bow to the pagan traditions and follow Christ. Some have understood Babylon the Great to be Rome. Because the city of Rome is the only city that is built on seven hills. Some have said, oh, there's only one city in the whole world that is built on seven hills. Clearly identifiable. I have a map here, clearly. And those seven hills in Rome constitute the center of that city, including a lot of temples in that perimeter, etc., so some people have concluded, because the Bible says, here is the mind of wisdom, and then gives us a hint. The seven head are seven mountains upon which that city is built. The woman is sitting there. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of Harlot and the abomination of the earth. The ten horns also represent ten kings, says the Bible, who will be of one mind and who will give their power and authority to the beast and who will make war with the Lamb, the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings. I remind you the title, The Coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, the, ten, the kings, they give allegiance, they give their power, everything to the Antichrist. 
And then they support the woman. And then at some point, they turn against the woman. And that will lead to her desolation. How is that possible? If they are demonically together, how would that happen? That they suddenly turn against her. I don't understand. The Bible gives an answer. It will be the working of God to fulfill his purpose. And that process will lead to the destruction of that woman. Babylon, the great, the great city who made the whole earth drunk with her fornication. It won't be a great deal for God because the whole operation will take one hour only. Gone. Finish. And the smoke is ascending. And the king of this earth will marvel. How come she was so powerful in one hour only? The coming of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The countdown has begun. In Revelation 13 verse 11. That scripture describes another beast. That came up out of the earth. Having two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. This second beast known as the false prophet will perform great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and will cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast This is the religious dimension of the Antichrist dominion. The two horns are deception. This is a parody, a counterfeit of godly spirituality. But it will be the working of Satan. Try to imagine someone operating Let's say a pastor. Let's put it that one, that, like that. Making fire to come from heaven. What do you think will happen? People will leave all the churches in the world. All the CNN, the BBC, the France 24, the TV Sang, all of them will be there to see that. And everybody will like this. Who will even think about this? But that's where we're going. We're going there. But the Bible says the coming of the lawless one will be according to the walking of Satan with miracle and lying wonders. Two horns. Piety. But speaking 
the dragon. Deception. This second beast will cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. The Bible says that the number of the beast is the number of a man. And that number is six. 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 It's a number of a man. Now there have been countless interpretations of this. Let me take the risk to make this statement I will make here. All those interpretations you've heard, all of them are right. Yeah, you're waiting for me somewhere else, you see? All of them are right. Why? Because you look at human history... John the Elder says many antichrists with S have come in the world. So they display the character of the big antichrist who will come. So anyone who has displayed that character is rightly discerned as N, not the N antichrist. Hitler being one of them, Nero being one of them. But guess what? Compared to the real Antichrist, Hitler is a toy. The hatred the Antichrist will display toward Israel and the people of God, you know, is Hitler is nothing compared to that. That's why I say to you, all the interpretation about the Antichrist are right. Take it from me. Sometimes people have said, oh, why people, the believers say Hitler was the Antichrist, but he's gone, the end of the world, the end of the world hasn't come. Yes, he was an Antichrist in character and behavior and life. Nero, the same. Persecute the descendants of Abraham and the Christian. There are a lot. John, praise the Lord, John have said that to settle the matter. Many Antichrists have come in the world. And then he gives us a hint. How do you recall? What's the starting point in discerning the Antichrist? What's the starting point? He who denies that God has a son. That's the starting point. Denial that God has a son. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Big tip of Big element. Key. In discerning, we put the whole group together who deny the deity of Christ. You put them together, they will give allegiance to the Antichrist. Notice, not anti-Muhammad, no anti-Buddha, no anti-Confucius, no anti-Nietzsche or, 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 or Lafayette or whoever it is, but anti-Christ. All of them who are against God will come against Christ. He will destroy them. You and I 
Have you ever rode a horse? I haven't. I even have no hope. But I will ride a white one from heaven. And feel great about it. A horse in a journey from heaven to come. And defeat the Antichrist and the false prophet on a horse. Not with this. Fine linen. Made of what? Of your work. Make sure that you you choose your material now. (laughs) You will be recognized by your work. Translate into your linen robe on that day. Riding a horse. Make sure you serve God. Where are we? Okay. We pause there. Before we continue, we come back to read the second reading, Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And we read from verse 3. That is Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We read from verse 3 to 10. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. The day here is the day of the Lord. That day will not come until... The lawless one, the son of perdition, the man of sin, the best, the beast, the antichrist is revealed. Until then, the day will not come. So it's part of the countdown, countdown of the coming of Jesus Christ. These things must happen. Well, we do not know the day or the hour of the rapture. But there will be a point after the rapture where people can begin to discern when Jesus Christ will come back. There is a description of signs. For instance, the Lord says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel sit in the temple, let the one who is reading understands that that will be a big sign of the coming of Christ. Because the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel at first. Oh, you know what? The Antichrist will come with the solution. Everybody is struggling. Two-state solution. There's no, no, and the Antichrist will come with a solution and will make a covenant with Israel halfway through. Will proclaim himself God. Enter in the temple, sit there and ask to be worshipped and proclaim to be at that point. All the Israelite, Israeli people will know that we've been deceived. As soon as they discern that, they reject, persecution starts. That's what will happen. Count down to the second coming. The abomination of desolation. Now see this. Verse 4. 
the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the man of sin, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Abomination of desolation. Verse 5. Do you remember, do you not remember, that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Verse 6. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That's how the Antichrist will be revealed. As always, there are all sorts of interpretation when it comes to the one who restrains the Antichrist. Some people say it's the archangel, some people say it's Michael, some people say, I don't know. But those who say it's the church and those who say it's the Holy Spirit, both are right. Because there's no church without the Spirit. I think it's the presence of the Holy Spirit who gives discernment to the church the people of God who have the Bible and are discerning, are alerting people they are restraining the Antichrist from being fully revealed because they cannot be deceived when they are taken and raptured, taken out of the way the Antichrist will be revealed and have a full license to deceive the whole world. And those who will resist him and reject him, they will be killed. That's for another day. Therefore, I believe, and I see in the Bible, that the restraining factor is the church, is the saint of Jesus Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the code, the barcode. We talk about, you see, it's the believers who are making those noise. They're discerning. They're trying to understand what's up. They're alerting people. The believers. Because of the Holy Spirit. Let he who has wisdom calculate, the Bible says. And we are given the number. It's the number of a man. The number of man is six. As you know, man was created in six days, I think. But the number three is for God. His holiness. Six, six, six is the man who makes himself God. The Antichrist, who is also called the son of perdition, 
some people believe that because he's called the son of perdition, the Antichrist is Judas. Well, I don't quite see that. Was he one of, one of them? I don't know. I can't say that, but okay. He betrayed the son of God, so. Some people thought this was Judas, but I don't see evidence to support this view. The Antichrist is also called the lawless one and the man of sin. Ah, mystery of iniquity. Mystery of iniquity. Christ is the mystery of godliness. The Bible says, great is the mystery. God was manifest in flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. The word was made flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. John 1.14 And the word was made flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. Jesus Christ. On the other side, you have the mystery of iniquity. The Bible says the mystery of iniquity is already at work. The lawless one, the man of sin, walking according to the power of Satan. In fact, Satan gives him his throne, his authority, his power. I think somewhere in John 1, 5, 19, we know we are of God that the whole world is under the sway of the enemy. And that's the power he was offering Jesus Christ. What did he say? I give to whomever I want. Be careful in your search for success in this world. Be careful. In your search for fame in this world. The devil grant that to people. And those people are called the influencers. Those are the ones influencing our children. They get it from the devil to perpetuate, to, 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 to progress his agenda. And they think on behalf of the rest of us by the working of Satan. Be careful. Seek what is humble. Seek what is humble. Seek the Lord. Cling on to the Lord. Money, the love of money is the root, the cause of all evil. Be content with what you have. Work hard. God will bless the works of your hands. Don't cut corners for money and fame. You don't know where they get that from. The devil said to the Lord, if you bow before me, look all the kingdom, I give to whomever I want to give. And he gave to the Antichrist. So, Antichrist or Anti-Messiah means the same. In French, Antichrist is called Antichrist. Because, the influ- because of the influence of English, even French people start saying l'Antichrist. No, it's Antichrist. 
avec l'accent aigu. Ante. What does ante means? Before, antérieur. Before. That's what it means. So the ante, ante, okay, in French, in English. The Antichrist has at least three attributes. Number one is Antichrist because he comes before Christ. The day of the Lord will not come until the Antichrist is revealed. Secondly, he is Antichrist because he opposes Christ. You've just read from Thessalonians. He opposes God. But he's also Antichrist because he sits in lieu of Christ. Instead of Christ. That's the reason why his revelation will come with a lot of miracles. Because he will try to copy, to counterfeit the Messiah's job description, personal specification, as described in Isaiah 61, I think it is, and quoted by Christ himself in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He quote Isaiah, because that's how you recognize the Messiah. And after he read the book in Luke 4, he closed the book, gave to the attendants, all the eyes were on him, and he said, today before you, this word is fulfilled. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to give sight to the blind, to raise the dead, to proclaim a grace from God, to do all those things. That part of the Lord job description. But because this one is the Antichrist, he will want to come with that. Don't think that is coming openly as opposing Christ. No, he's coming as Christ. When the disciple asked Christ in Matthew 24, verse 3, tell us, Lord, what will be the sign of the end of this age and of your coming? first segment of the answer take heed that no one deceives you for many shall come in my name and say I am Christ you see that so they're not coming openly opposing Christ no they're coming in lieu of Christ and people will seriously believe that they are Christ Yaakov Prash said the cultural Christianity will serve as a basis for Christ I had never heard that before. I heard nominal Christianity, but not cultural Christianity. Matthew 24, verse 3, we've already said that. So let's return to Revelation 17 then. Revelation 17. Revelation 17, verse 16. The ten horns or ten kings will now hate Babylon the Great, who is drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
They will make her desolate to fulfill God's purpose. So, who is the woman herself then? We've touched on that already. She is a city, Revelation 18.10. She is a demonic system of world governance with whom the kings of this earth commit spiritual fornication and the whole earth is drunk with the wine of her fornication. Babylon the Great also, listen carefully, traded the souls of men. That's very important. Revelation 18 verse Verse 13. Not just merchandise and slavery and body. No. Souls of men traded. Traded with who? How do you trade? How do you exchange? How do you sell men's souls? It's a transaction. Didn't Christ purchase us? What is someone else selling? Giving donations in kind to the devil. Souls of people against money and deception and sending millions, if not billions of people to hell. Trading. People give money and then their soul is trapped and they are deceived. Babylon the Great was in that business of selling souls to hell. Really bad. She deceived all the nations by her sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints. And of all who were slain on the earth. She is the mother of harlots and of the abomination of the earth. In Revelation 18 verse 4, the people of God is called to... Thank you. To... Come out of her. Come out of the Babylonian system. Come out of false Christianity. Come out with the counterfeit faith. Come up with man's made tradition. Come up with the continuation of the Babylonian system which seeks to destroy the church of Christ. Come, up, come out of any argument that oppose the knowledge of God. Uphold the truth of the Bible. The gospel of your salvation. Close your door firmly to traditions of men. Demonically inspired by Babylon. Close the door firmly, resolutely. She, she is the mother of our Lord. We've said that already. Okay. 18.4. Come out of her. Revelation 19 then. Verse 1 to 2. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor, and power belong to the Lord, our God. For true and righteous are his judgment, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servant, 
shed by her. The focus is now on heaven. Things have happened on the earth. Babylon the Great has been judged, defeated, and destroyed. The focus is now on heaven. What is going to happen? The coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. After 15 chapters, we are in chapter 19. After 15 chapters, I'm counting from chapter 4 to 18, the church is silence. You don't hear about the church. The only thing you hear is in uh, chapter 4, they come up here. John had come up here is a command shout. The trumpet of God, the calling, the gathering of the church up in the air is a command, is a military command. Remember Elijah and Elisha? They were walking together, chatting. <sighs> Chariot of Israel is cavalry. Gone. It doesn't matter how much you love or you are loved. When the rapture come, God will take those who belong to him. Come up here. <laughs> Snatch her person. Gone. Husband and wife sleeping together, the Bible say. God will take the one who belongs to him. Gone. Two sisters in the kitchen cooking. God will take the one who belongs to her. Gone. In the airplane, if the pilot belongs to Jesus, you will do the rest of the journey yourself. The pilot is gone. The one who writes these things said these things are true. Christ is called faithful and true. These things are true. I'm not doing drama here. It's written here. Don't play with salvation. The day for salvation is today. Don't play. Don't get into argument and call that knowledge and cause trouble in the church. This is the place where God is calling the saved to be prepared to go to meet the bridegroom. The king is coming. The church is silenced from chapter 4 to 18. Why? Because the church is in heaven. We're going to read it now. In chapter 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Christ with his bride. We are in heaven. This world is being judged here. We are in heaven with Christ. before we come back with him on horses guess what you will not be fighting you will just be enjoying the ride don't be afraid oh the antichrist maybe is arrow no Christ will destroy the antichrist with the brightness of his appearing and the breath of his mouth 
Christ will destroy. And the Antichrist and the false prophet will be captured and throw in the Gehenna, the lake of fire, hell, where they will be the first rightful resident. Indefinite leave to remain. After 15 chapters of silence, the church, the bride of Christ, returns to the scene again. Starting with the marriage supper of the Lamb, the church that was raptured is now in heaven with the beloved Christ. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The invitation is sent to every human being. John saw and heard these wonderful things and wanted to worship the angel. But the angel refused the worship and pointed John to God. Worship God. Be careful with this angel worshiping. It is being popularized now. He's demonic. A true angel will not accept worship. Here is an example. Oh, now I'm your servant, fellow servant. We all serve God. Worship God. From verses 11 to 16, Jesus returns to the earth with great power and glory. He judges and makes war righteously. He is called faithful and true. He is called the word of God. The same John had presented Jesus Christ as the word that became flesh. In the beginning was the word, the word was, was with God, and the word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. John 1.14. The word was made flesh. He is coming back. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He tread the wine press of faithfulness and the wrath of almighty God. What is this? What is this? How does the day look like? It is the great day of the Lord spoken of by Zephaniah. Chapter 1 verse 14. Zephaniah 1.14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasten quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty man shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath. A day of trouble. A day of distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of cloud and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified city and against the high towers. Zephaniah 1, verse 18a. Neither the silver nor the gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord wrath. Only by grace. In Christ alone. Only by the blood of the Lamb. Riches, wisdom, eloquence, beauty, network. None of those. The Bible says none of them can save their brother. For the redemption of our soul is costly. Thank you Bible readers. Redemption of our soul is costly. It cost God his son. You cannot replace that. Toward the end now. Revelation 19.20, the Antichrist and the false prophet are captured and cast alive into the lake of fire. As I said, they are the first resident in hell. 
in chapter 20, Satan is bound for 1,000 years, is released afterward, and cast in hell forever. In Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15, rebellious human beings are judged, and with death and the Hades, they are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If you are curious, I'm giving you something. I'm giving you three words. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, can you see the last sentence there? You may have different Bible. Can we read that together? Just the last sentence. You start with end. Yeah? Who has, and they lived. And they lived. Thank you. And they lived. No, just, just they lived. And they lived. That sentence is unlocking a lot of mysteries. In fact, one mystery. And they live. He says no more. Who lives? The people who had been beheaded by the Antichrist, their souls are in heaven under the altar of God. They are crying to the Lord, how long? How long? The Lord say, wait until the number is fulfilled. Their souls are in heaven. Their body are in the grave. At the coming of Christ, they lived. Very important. Their soul and their body are united, reunited, and they enter in the millennial kingdom of Christ together with those who will have come back with Christ. I call that, the Bible calls that the first resurrection. I call that the fulfillment of the resurrection program. That's how I call that. That's the end of resurrection. But you might ask me, oh, after the 10,000 year, won't other people come back again according to Revelation 20, 11 to 15? That they will come back to be judged? Isn't that a resurrection? No. The Bible called that second death. The reason why it's not called resurrection is because Christ is the life and the resurrection. Those who are in him, when they come back to life, that is resurrection. If you're not with him, that is death. So you have the first resurrection. You don't have the second resurrection. Instead, you have First resurrection, second death. Second death is another word for second resurrection. But because there's no second resurrection, it's called second death. Thrown to hell forever. And you and I, and those who believe in Christ, will not be partakers of that. That's what Christ has done for us. Do not play with life.
before it's too late. Make peace with God. By the compassion and mercies of Christ, be reconciled with Christ. Being in the church may mean nothing. Be in Christ. Examine yourself. Make sure that you've made peace with Christ before it's too late. Your father won't save you. Your husband won't save you. Your wife won't save you. The pastor, the elder, the deacon, nobody will save you. Only Christ. The day for salvation is today. Many people are coming to the church as an exercise, as a routine. You know, I'm going to accompany my wife, and accompany to my, my husband, etc. The heart is not in Christ. Wake up before it's too late. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, everything has become. There are signs, indications that shows that someone is born again. It can't be business as usual. There has to be change. A difference. The Bible says you will see again the difference between those who love God and those who don't. There has to be a difference. In verse, 15, in verse 11 to 15, rebellious human are judged and there, etc. Conclusion. Conclusion is uh, Revelation 15, Revelation 20, verse 15. That's the conclusion. Anyone whose name was not found written In the Lamb's book of life was thrown in hell. Anyone, that's the criteria. The qualification to go to hell or not to go to hell is having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Not your riches, not the way you see yourself. No. Be written in the Lamb's book of life. Period. Borrowing from Ola. That's the only criteria. Your service in the church won't save you. Your Christian family will not save you. Only having your name written. Personal relationship with God. You receive Christ as your savior. Personal Lord. And he lives his life in you. Paul say, it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, I live in the faith in Christ who died for me. Make sure. You've heard. Don't say we're not, you did not hear. Children are here. Do you remember those who heard one testimony of our second daughter one day here? When she says she came to Christ, when she saw me nearly dying. That's very serious. That means before then, she wasn't a Christian. These things are very serious. But you see them in the church every day, serving. You think our children are Christian, parents are satisfied. No, she said, until I saw my dad dying and showing me the Bible, 
I was on my bed. They were on the window. I said to them, never. Please. They cry. She decided to come to Christ. She saw that that was serious in what he was saying to us. If you're too satisfied with your children, you know, Calvinists believe that their children are automatically saved, things like that's a lie. As simple as that. Amen. Okay, we close then. Anyone who was not found written in the book of life. The word anyone is the same as whoever in John 3.16. Whoever believes. Anyone who was not written. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4, God's desire for all men to be saved. That's God's desire. You can't say otherwise. Everybody. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord strengthen you for the rest of the journey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you and we say thank you. We commit our lives to you and we thank you, Lord, for you have revealed these things to little children, insignificant and worthy like us. We bless you, Lord, for revealing your eternal plan to us. Now you is able to keep us from falling. In you we put our trust and commit our lives. Be with us, Lord. Help us to continue fighting the good fight of faith. To God be the glory, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And thanks for your patience.